You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Jim. Stay with us after today's podcast for an exclusive preview of my audiobook. We've all heard about efforts to conserve old-growth forests and other natural resources, but what if the land that needs preserving is beneath a power line? I'm Jim Metzner, and this is The Pulse of the Planet. Dr. Kimberly Russell of the American Museum of Natural History has been studying the possibility of making the huge tracts of lands beneath our power lines into a habitat for bees. She says that most utility companies, particularly in the Northeast, do all-out periodic mowing under Underneath power lines. The most common management is still the, just getting rid of all the vegetation periodically. We would prefer the method that was less invasive in the sense where they're just cutting down the tall species and topping the vegetation and using selective herbicides. Dr. Russell says that this kind of management practice creates a unique sort of habitat. Instead of a grassland, you get an area of low-lying shrubs, vines, and flowers where the vegetation stays under six feet tall. In studies, she found that bee populations liked making their nests in this scrubby habitat. My study was on bees, and I found that comparing these two different management techniques that the scrubby habitat was the best for bees, but there's an awful lot of species that also prefer habitat that happens after you cut a forest down, but before it goes back into forest. And so there's bird species and small mammal species and a number of organisms that like that habitat. And surprising as it may sound, that sort of scrubby habitat is actually actually decreasing in land area in the northeast and has been for the last decade or two. And so there's actually less and less scrubby habitat because what's happening is either people are letting it grow up into forest or they're developing it. And so you don't really have as much of this middle ground anymore. So I think it's more just a matter of trying to get people to not see that as sort of junk land as people tend to see it now. We'll hear more about bee-friendly power line habitats in future programs. Pulse of the Planet is made possible by the National Science Foundation. I'm Jim Metzner. As promised, here's an excerpt from Sacred Mounds, my first novel, a work of historical fiction and magical realism. So he turned to Inez, what do you want me to do? Wash him. See that he gets cleaned up. You're serious. He's a big boy. Surely he knows how to dress himself. Glancing at the reverse hoodie, he added, sort of. When I showed him to the bathroom, Inez said, it was like he was seeing it for the first time. That doesn't make any sense. How can anybody just show up out of the blue looking kind of normal and not know what a bathroom is? I mean, he's obviously washed himself, Hilton sniffed, more or less, recently. Okay, he's getting a little ripe, but I mean, maybe he's escaped from one of those institutions or something. I mean, have you checked him for any ID? I will, she said. Please do this. It'll be a a growing experience for you. A a growing experience. Well, you think I'm going to get turned on? Just do it, Hilton, Inez said with a touch of exasperation. For me, it would help me if he smelled halfway decent. He's got a knapsack over there. Maybe there's some clothes in it. I I might have an old shirt that'll fit him. Guy shows up, sings you a song, and you're giving him your clothes. (laughs) Hell of a song. 
You've been drinking too much moo tea lately? I don't get it. I mean, this is like a, a merit badge for the Girl Scouts or something? You'd rather I washed him? She asked. I'll bet he would. Look, Hilton, I, I know this is off the charts of everyday behavior, but since when have you become Mr. Normal? For once, could you just do this for me without trying to figure out all the angles? Can you do it because one of the few people on the planet who can put up with you is asking nicely? Hilton looked at her, then at the improbable visitor, sighed deeply, and said, All right, but if Mr. Nachi decides to get too friendly, I'm pulling the ripcord. Knapsack in hand, Hilton led the visitor into the bathroom and closed the door behind him. His voice rang out. Would you get me that candle? I'm not going to shower in the dark with this guy. I don't care if he starts singing the national anthem in, in Swedish. Inez handed Hilton the candle, along with a loose-fitting shirt and painter's pants, with the request that he go over the use of toilet paper. Hilton muttered something unintelligible. Inez descended to her basement to search for a particular box that had survived several moves, a time capsule containing mementos, old letters, and a gift from her grandmother, several cassettes of Archie Sam speaking Nazi words and their English equivalent, an oral dictionary. To her delight, she found it hidden behind a carton of Christmas tree ornaments, along with a reprint of a brief English Nazi dictionary compiled by the Oklahoma Historical Society in the 70s. A further excavation through the contents in several other boxes yielded an old portable cassette recorder. The rest of what she needed was upstairs. Inez called outside the bathroom door. Wait a few minutes before you come out, okay? I, I want to set up a few things. Fine, Hilton shouted. We're just prettying ourselves up for the pilgrimage pageant, referring to one of Natchez's rites of spring, where high schoolers in period dress portrayed episodes from the city's history in dramatic tableau. Petticoat Junction, Inez called the pageant, Another opportunity to fleece tourists with the mythology of the South. If you're coming out in a hoop skirt, it's going on Facebook, Inez said. She cleared the dining room table and set out a few artifacts from mound excavations, some genuine, a few replicas, plus a few aardvarks. Whenever you're ready, she shouted. Hilton came out of the bathroom shortly thereafter, closing the door behind him. Our boy is checking himself out in the mirror, Hilton said. Underwear seems to be a new concept for him, and either he's studying Stanislavski or this was his first shower. He did seem to be familiar with soap. Yeah, I, I showed him that, Inez said. Who's Stanislavski? Method acting. Marlon Brando. It's funny, I had the same thought. This may be being some elaborate prank that you were in. He seems quite natural, though. I'll bet you he's a Jewish boy from the Borscht Belt, and it's very funny. Checked out his sack while he was in the shower. There's a wallet with a driver's license. His name is Samuels. Salvador Samuels from Kingston, New York. The Catskills. Maybe he does stand-up comedy. Funny thing happened on the way to Natchez. Huh. But that still doesn't explain. Salvador doesn't sound very Jewish. Could be the lost tribe. Probably call him Sal for short. Are you done? I'm just getting rolling. Put a lid on him. I want to try an experiment. To find out who he really is. Thanks for listening. To order Sacred Mounds in print or audio, visit sacredmoundsnovel.com. That's sacredmoundsnovel.com.